He has been so good to each of us. He has been so good. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you all. You may be seated. I want to tell you really quickly, I, I talked to Brother Bruce on the phone today, and I said, Uncle Bruce, thank you for giving me the opportunity to preach tonight while you're out sick. And he said, oh, no. I had nothing to do with that. I said, huh, what? He said, that was Keith's decision. So tell Keith thank you. So thank you, Dad. For If y'all don't know that story, see me after church. I'll be glad to tell it. So to my mom and dad, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, I, do, I do take it very serious, and it is an honor for me every time I get to greet our congregation and share God's word with you. I'm normally preaching to the youth in the back, and I absolutely love doing that and hanging out with them and sharing God's word. But tonight, um, I'm going to talk to you about matters of the heart. That is my title, and I initially thought to myself, well, it's Valentine's Day, so I really want to get a message that is centered with a theme of love. And normally during Valentine's Day or the entire month of February with the youth group, I talk about love and dating and relationships. Uh, but as I was praying about it and I was, I was um, talking to the Lord about what to do for tonight, he still has me talking about the heart, and that has a lot to do with love and dating and relationships. But tonight my message is a little bit different about um, love and relationships, not so much dating. Most of us are past that phase. Um, and those of you that are still involved in that, I have plenty of advice and resources to help you with, with dating, and we can talk about it next week in youth service. But tonight I'm talking to you about matters of the heart, and there are many. So, But before I get into all of the matters, I want to talk to you about the heart. The heart is a vital organ that is responsible for pumping blood throughout the body, delivering oxygen and nutrients to cells, and removing waste products. The heart is divided into four chambers, the right atrium, the right ventricle, the left atrium, and the left ventricle. The valves between these chambers ensure that blood flows into the correct direction. The heart's rhythmic contractions, controlled by electrical impulses, create the heartbeat. It is essential for maintaining the overall health and well-being of every human body. The heart is the most important of our organs. However, the Bible says a lot about the heart, too, and it's not just talking about the organ that we have pumping blood throughout our body. In Luke 6, 45, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version tonight, so if that's a little bit different than your Bible, it will be on the screen. It says this, The intrinsically, intrinsically good man produces what is good and honorable and moral out of the good treasure stored in his heart. And the intrinsically evil man produces what is wicked and depraved out of the evil in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. I have been told before, anytime I tell some kind of joke or something that may seem a little bit off, and then I say, I'm just kidding, my mom or my wife usually will let me know. Well, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that is true. And that is what the word says. So it's important that we watch what we say because usually that's exactly what's going on inside of our heart, our conscience, our mind, our thought process. But also when I think of the word heart, I also think of somebody who has a lot of heart or someone with a good heart or someone with an evil heart. The Bible mentioned those things. So if someone has heart or a lot of heart, it typically means that they possess courage, 
determination, and sincerity in their actions or beliefs. It suggests that they act from a place of genuine emotion and passion, often showing empathy and resilience in challenging situations. I often think of Rocky Balboa. Anybody know who that is? And his incredible determination, and even the song, The Eye of the Tiger. If you ever want to go to the gym and lift some weights, or you want to go for a run, or you just feel like you have to achieve this task, I suggest putting on a motivational song. There are many out there, but Eye of the Tiger is one of the best. That's why it was used in Rocky. Can I get an amen? If you haven't seen Rocky, I apologize. It's a classic. If someone is said to have a good heart, it means that they are kind, compassionate, genuinely caring towards others. They often prioritize the well-being of others. They show empathy and strive to make a positive impact in their interactions and relationships. And I'm not just going to say this because this individual is right here in front of me, but usually when I think of somebody with a good heart, one of the first people that comes to my mind is Daniel Keith Maxwell. And that is true. He naturally has a good heart. I've tried to talk to him before whenever I was venting about someone and I was angry. And his good heart says, well, we just need to pray for them and hug them and, and love them. And he gives me advice, sound advice that I need. But I'm wanting to be angry, Keith. And he's, his good heart won't let him. And he says, no, that's not how we should respond. We need people in our life that have this good heart so that they can keep us on track because there's been times where I've almost said, you know what? And he says, no. So we need people like that. Somebody also understands that there's people that have a hardened heart. So we've talked about a lot of heart and a good heart, but what about those people in our life or that we know of that have a hardened heart? That typically refers to someone who is emotionally closed off or resistant to feeling compassion, empathy, or understanding towards others. It suggests that the person is unwilling or unable to show vulnerability or connect with others on an emotional level. This can result from past traumas, repeated disappointments, or a deliberate choice to protect oneself from further emotional pain. I think that's possible for all of us to end up in a position where we might have a hardened heart, where we recognize that something's happened to me in my past, and because of that, I'm now going to be closed off to a similar situation to protect myself. It's not always bad. Sometimes it's our thoughts and our body's response of protecting us from another traumatic situation. And like I said, it's not bad, but if we let it go and we don't include people with a good heart, then our hardened heart can get worse. We can become bitter and resentful. That's why it's so important we have people in our life with a good heart. An example of someone who's got a hardened heart, this is another classic, is Ebenezer Scrooge, a fictional character from the Charles Dickens novel and movies, A Christmas Carol. Scrooge is portrayed as a miserly and cold-hearted businessman who prioritizes wealth and profit over compassion and generosity. Through the encounters with the ghosts in the story, he undergoes a transformation, ultimately learning the value of kindness and empathy. I think there's a certain ghost in our life that can do the same thing, the Holy Ghost. While we won't rely on the ghosts from the Christmas Carol, we need the Holy Ghost to make sure we have a transformation that can help us learn the value of kindness and empathy. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence. From it flow the springs of life. We've got to watch over our heart because the heart is deceitful. The heart wants fleshly desires. 
we have to put ourselves into submission or we'll end up falling into temptations using the same foul language that we hear in the music, movies, the TV shows. We'll end up with some negativity, the same negativity as our coworkers or even family members if we aren't the ones doing the influencing. Now I know I said music and movies and TV shows. I know that we participate in those things. That's why it's so important that we watch over our heart and say, you know what, I don't want this negativity in my life. I'm not going to watch this, listen to this, read this. There are some things, it doesn't matter if somebody else is okay with listening to it. God's got a different plan for my life and I'm not gonna do it. Whether it's a movie or a TV show or a, a book or music, I don't care how popular it is either. I'm not gonna go with something because it's a fad. If this says no, no means no. And I want my heart to stay pure and close to God. We have to watch our heart, and it doesn't matter if we fit in with anybody else or not. I want to fit in with God. We've got to make sure that our heart is not corrupted. My heart matters to God, and my heart matters to those that I live with. My heart and the thoughts and the intents of my heart do not just affect me. They affect my wife, my children, the ministry I'm involved with, the people that I work with, my parents, my siblings the conversations that I have with anybody. If I've got this hardened, bitter heart, how am I going to come across to people? How am I going to win anybody to the Lord? How am I going to be a good example if I'm full of negativity? Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, Whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. That tells me that our thoughts are important. Our thoughts will impact our actions. If your heart and your thoughts will influence your actions, so... Bear with me for a minute, and please understand, if I say anything, I'm also putting myself in this situation and understanding that I need work each and every day. If I come to church, am I thinking that I can be healed in God's house, or am I thinking, I hope they don't sing that annoying song I don't like? Our thoughts can have an impact on our actions. I could very well be healed in that song that I don't like if I'm submitted to God and I'm, I'm committed to worshiping Him? Am I thinking that I'm going to pray for and encourage some young people or am I going to criticize them for how they are different than me and how I used to do things? Am I thinking, I hope my pastor doesn't preach so long because I have plans or am I thinking I'm going to take some notes and try to learn everything I can from his message? Our thoughts will impact our behavior, our thoughts will impact others around us. Our thoughts will impact what we can and can't receive. God has something for us, but if our thoughts are blocking him, that is one of the things that Brother Bruce has said many times. There is something that God has allowed to be more powerful than God, and it's our free will. God will not impose himself on us and our free will. If he allows us to have free will, I am freely and willingly thinking negatively, God's not going to impose himself on me. He is a perfect gentleman. If I'm criticizing everything that's going on, God's not going to say, oh, well, there's a willing vessel right there that I want to use and help and heal. 
God's not going to do that because I'm being critical. That critical spirit cannot receive God's blessings. So our thoughts are so important. Your heart and your thoughts will dictate your behavior. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. If my heart is bitter, I'll become a bitter person. And that involves harboring resentment, anger, negativity towards others. Life circumstances, it can lead to strained relationships, isolation, and generally unhappy existence. Over time, bitterness can negatively impact one's mental and physical health. However, recognizing and addressing these feelings can help individuals find healing and move towards a positive outlook on life. But if I'm full of bitterness, I will not also have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Those are the fruits of spirit. When, when Jesus was asked, how are we going to know your followers? His answer was, you will know them by their fruit. If we are not showing the fruit, how are others even going to know who we are? We've got to be full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. We've got to have put these things in action. And if my thoughts aren't right, I'm not going to be putting them into action. If I'm filling my eyes and my ears with filth, with negativity, or I'm constantly around people who are negative, I'm going to behave negatively as well. And this has happened to all of us, so please don't think that I'm attacking you. It happens to me sometimes. There have been times where I said, I'm really hungry. I hope Brother Bruce doesn't preach that long today because tequilas is calling my name and I want that trio taco order with my chips and salsa I'm not the only one I know but I've been there but I've got to put myself in check that's okay like I said we need people in our life that can put us in check sometimes we have to do it to ourselves it's okay that you look in the mirror sometimes and say okay Mason you got to get it together you have people who depend on you and you need to act right that's okay I've done that my family may have even walked in the bathroom where I'm standing in front of the mirror and they're like, what is he doing? Putting myself in check sometimes. I gotta look at me and say, okay, you got some things you gotta work on. It don't take very long, because I'm honest. I cannot lie, it's hard for me. My wife says my voice starts to squeak if I try to tell her a lie. So I'll catch myself. I'm not good at it. But I put myself in check. And I will tell myself sometimes, look, hey, dude, you've got to get things together. You've got to have a better attitude about this. You need to follow this person's example, or you need to do that, or you need to make sure you're taking care of things the way God intended for you to take care of them. And that's okay. There's another thing that plagues the heart sometimes. I've mentioned bitterness, and I want to talk about another one for just a second, and that's jealousy. If my heart is jealous, then I become a jealous person, and that can lead to various negative consequences. Similar to bitterness, it can strain relationships. It can erode trust and create a toxic environment. Jealousy often stems from insecurities, fear of loss, or low self-esteem. It can result in a controlling behavior, constant suspicion, or emotional turmoil. Addressing underlying issues and building trust and confidence can help mitigate jealousy and improve overall well-being. But if I put myself in check, And remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Jealousy is not one of the fruits of the Spirit. And let me me say another thing, too. I, I think I've said it before. It's not in my notes. And me and Dylan have talked about it a lot. But being right is not one of the fruits of the Spirit, either. But kindness is. 
But it won't matter how right I am about something. If I'm in an argument with my wife and I'm not being kind to her, it won't matter that I'm right. I'm being a jerk. Amen, ladies. It don't matter if he's right. If he's talking to you with a nasty attitude, he's the one that needs to be put in check. Now, maybe in order for him to be put in check, maybe you just go pray for him. If you try to put him in check, it may spark something else. I told you I'd get to relationships. But it's okay that we understand we're not always right. And being right is not one of the fruits of the Spirit. So having jealousy or having bitterness full in our heart are just a couple examples that we need to look out for. We've got to spend time in prayer. We've got to spend time in God's Word. And we've got to spend time with other people who actually have a godly mindset. I want to I say that I'm incredibly proud of, and this isn't said a lot, but I'm incredibly proud of young people who can make up their mind and say, I'm not hanging out with this group of kids anymore. There are kids that I know, and I'm not insulting them. I'm just saying I'm proud of the ones who have made the decision. I'm going to change my atmosphere, even if I'm just hanging out by myself, or even if I'm just hanging out with people at church, and I'm going to decide not to be over here anymore, because that can damage your soul long-term, Hanging out with the wrong crowd can create all kinds of problems for your life. Whether it's addictions or mindsets or thought processes or lifestyles that will be hard for you to get away from. And we have some young people in this in, in church tonight that have made that decision. So I just want to let y'all know and let you guys know. Y'all know who you are. You've made a decision to be around different people, and it's not easy to do. It's probably harder to do as a teenager and young adult than anything else. Because when you're into adulthood and you're married and you have your spouse you can hang out with and you have a job you have to go to, it's easy to say, I don't have a lot of time for friends. But for a teenager and a young adult, that's different. And that goes with what we're talking about tonight. If somebody has a naturally good heart and they stay committed to God, they're going to start making those decisions. They're going to start saying, look, I don't want my, my heart to be messed up. I don't want my heart to be lost. I understand that God has plans for me. So with those examples, it is important that bitterness, jealousy, or any other problems don't come up in our life. But we're constantly around negativity, whether we like it or not. I work inside a federal prison in Pollock. There is constant negativity. It is not just from the inmate population. Sometimes it's from the coworkers, maybe even more so from my coworkers. And I want to tell you, it is all the time. And I don't know about you or where you work or exactly what you do or who you deal with, but I guarantee if you have a job of any kind, you deal with stress. You probably deal with negative people, coworkers, customers, clients, whatever it is. And it's tough out there to maintain this positive attitude and this positive mindset. And our heart can start to get bitter towards people if they're stressing us out all the time. Our heart can start to get jealous of others that maybe got a promotion over us. Or our heart can get jealous of others who maybe seem like they have a better job. Well, I've served God all these years, and I've done this, and I've tried to do that. Why did God allow this to happen for somebody else? Well, God has a plan for you to be where you are. We just have to follow the plan, not try to come up with a plan all on our own. That's when we mess things up. So when we're constantly around negativity and we're constantly having a hard time keeping our heart pure, how can we deal with these things? I made a short list. So, 
This is fun for me. And Brother Keith, I'm almost done. I apologize, y'all. I'm going to finish super early. How can we deal with these things? It's probably because I talk really fast. How can we deal with these things that, that stress us out? Number one, practice gratitude. Take time each day to reflect on the things that you're grateful for. Write them down. Think about them, like repeatedly. Whenever something stresses me out, like Kimberly sent me a video recently. I don't remember what social media app it was on. But she sent me a video, and it said it was something along the lines of, you know, there's a mess in the living room, but I'm grateful I have kids and that they have things to play with. Or there was dishes to clean up, but I'm grateful I have people to cook for and food to cook. There are things that might stress us out. Sure, it stresses me out when the living room's dirty and there's kids' toys everywhere, and I see that they left their paper plate out from their dinner, or I don't like a dirty living room. But if I stop and I recognize, okay, my kids are fed, they had things to play with, they were doing artwork, those are things I can be grateful for. And it's important when anything stresses us out. I know I just gave you one example of something being messy, but there are many things in our life that we could think of. This stresses me out. However, I'm grateful because. So practice gratitude. And when I say practice, practice means it's something we have to work on continually. You guys ever heard of uh, doctors are practicing medicine? because there's no, no way you can ever be perfect at it. Every patient is different, and every situation is different. Who else practices something? Attorneys? Lawyers? I see you, Chris. There's, there's no such thing as a perfect lawyer. No matter how good he is, and he's good, but they practice. So none of us are going to get perfect at this. God has not called any of us to be perfect. He's called us to strive to be like him. That's it. Now, he is perfect, but he understands how he made us. He understands that we have free will. And I'm not saying to give yourself an excuse every time you mess up, but, well, God knows my heart. And he knows you need to put it in check, too. So, yes, God knows your heart. God knows your intentions. God knows that you need his help sometimes. But if we don't ask for the help, we don't read his word, if we're not spending time in prayer, if we're not spending time listening to his word, if we're not spending time around godly people, there's only so much God can do because we're ignoring him. And he is a gentleman. Number two, and I've said this a couple times already, but I, I feel like it's so, so important. Spend time with positive people. Surround yourself with positive people. Spend time with those who uplift you and support you. You cannot make it in this world without people that will encourage you people that love you, people that help you. Sissy, several months ago, whenever I took you to, or I didn't take you because I woke up late, whenever I brought you home from your surgery, when she had knee surgery, and if y'all didn't know, me and Sissy and Sister Kim have a torn meniscus club. I hope none of you have to join it, but the three of us have this club together. Uh, it's not exclusive. We're not keeping you out of it. I just hope you don't have to join it because it's painful. But when, when I brought Sissy home from her surgery and we spent out several hours together just talking and hanging out, there were several times where she's in a lot of pain, just had surgery, and I'm sitting there trying to help her, and she was giving me encouraging advice. And she was helping me with things and telling me how things could be handled and telling me advice that her parents gave her. And she was just being such a, a kind soul. I know y'all all know she is anyways. 
but she's not going to stand up and testify, so I'll do it for her. But she was encouraging me. Now, I made it an intentional point of mine to offer to help her, and in that day that I was helping her, God was using her to encourage me about some things. We need to be intentional about who we spend our time with. God can speak through those people. God can use them to help you with things. So surround yourself with good people. Number three, spend time in God's word. If all we do is hear God's word on a Wednesday night and a Sunday morning, that relationship is not going to work out. I love my wife, Kimberly, and if I only talk to her twice a week, imagine, I'm, I'm sure at some point she'd come and knock me over the head with this and say, hello, but I can't do that. I can't ignore her. She's already quiet on her own. I'm the one that has to do most of the talking. Not anymore because we've been together for 15 years. But my point is this, we cannot just talk to God or allow him to talk to us twice a week. If Monday is going to be hard because it's the first day of the work week and you're going to be stressed because you have to deal with so-and-so and your supervisor's annoying or you've got cases piling up or you've got problems and traffic and whatever, I, it's a simple suggestion. Read this before you leave the house and you'll have a more positive attitude throughout the day. You'll see every annoying person as an opportunity for you to behave like Jesus would. I, I mean, that's how I've been looking at it. I get to work, it's, it's recently I've gotten to work, and I know there's some people that annoy me. It's just true. People that I wouldn't naturally get along with, and I just, on my way to work, I've got a short drive, but I'm praying, God, use me today. God, give me the right words to say. God, help me be an example to those people. And throughout my day, when somebody's annoying me, I just smile, and I don't necessarily think killing them with kindness is the right phrase, because I don't want to kill them. And I don't want to be annoying back to them. I just want to behave correctly when they're annoying me. I want to behave like Jesus would. Now, some t I know you're, somebody in the room is thinking, Jesus pulled out a whip and flipped over tables, and that's not the example I'm talking about. Jesus could do that part. I don't know if we should go about doing that. But we should behave in a way that shows love and compassion and mercy to people. We should behave in a way that if you can tell somebody else's just having a nasty attitude, maybe something's happening in their life. Maybe something is causing that stress. Maybe something is causing their heart to be bitter or jealous or uncomfortable. And you can be a shining light to them if our thoughts are right, if our attitude is right, if we're reading his word and we've been around other godly people, God can use us to be that person. God can use us. I'm going to use you again. When I went to him, invented and wanted to complain, and he says, no, the word says this, and let's pray for them. We can be like that to people. I know it sounds crazy right now. You're thinking, I don't know if I can. You can. But it takes us making the effort and the decision to be in his word so that he can use us. Number four, this is, this is a tough one. It was very tough for me, and it might be tough for some of you, but this is have some people in your life you will be accountable to. Don't be so proud that you want any, won't let anyone speak into your life. We need to be able to be corrected without getting offended. I'll read that part again. We need to be able to be corrected without getting offended. So if we start acting like our heart is bitter, angry, jealous, we need people to put us in check. And yes, we all have 
somebody close to us, you have a best friend, you have a husband or a wife, and hopefully all of us will allow our pastor to speak into our life as well, but I'm also, I want us to broaden that circle a little bit. Your, your, our pastor is not going to know every detail of our life and everything that we're going through. And there are things we can hide from our husband or our wife. I think it's important you allow some people to speak into your life that are even not those people. You've got to have some close friends, some mentors. Young people, listen to my advice. You've got to have people in your life that can put you in check. Yes, your parents should. Me and Brother Keith and Brother Bruce should be able to do that. But you need somebody else, too, that will be able to tell you, hey, look, X, Y, and Z is not okay for your walk with God. And we need to not get upset about it when it happens. If they are godly people and you've told that person, I will allow you to speak in my life and be a mentor or be an accountability partner, when they do decide to put you in check about something, submit yourself and say, you know what, you're right. I was wrong and I will work it out. And lastly, I want to tell you about Jeremiah 17.9. And this will kind of pull everything together and help us understand how important our heart is. Brother Keith, if you want to get ready to close us out. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is extremely sick. Who can understand it fully and know its secret motives? The Bible is, is the proof that this thing is what hurts us the most. If the tongue is the most powerful evil tool in our body that we can use to hurt people, and then the word of God says that out of the abundance of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and then this says that the heart is deceitful, our heart and how we speak to people is so, so vital for our walk with God and others' walk with God. Because if I'm claiming to be a, a follower of Jesus, I've got to also follow in the footsteps of the Holy Ghost. I've got to also treat people with kindness. I can't say I'm a Christian. I can't say I'm an apostolic. I can't say I'm a God-fearing person. I can't say, you know, that, that I'm a minister if I'm not allowing the fruits of the Spirit to live through me, if I'm not behaving like I've got the gift of the Holy Ghost, if I'm acting bitter towards people, I'm acting angry, if I'm acting like my heart is full of anger towards anybody, not just coworkers, but our, my own family, any of you, and I've got to put myself in check. The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is extremely sick. Who can understand it fully and know its secret motives? I don't believe that we can know its secret motives. I don't believe we can understand it fully. That's why I believe we have to completely give it to God, give our heart to Him, give our thoughts and our intents to Him, give our understanding fully over to this and say, you know what, I don't know, but this does. God knows. God does. I love you all. Thank you for listening to me tonight. Brother Keith, if you would come. It is amazing whenever you step back from, from this side of the pulpit, knowing how we operate things. You know, I did not give Mason a topic to preach on. Whenever I had to preach Sunday, Dad didn't give me a topic to preach on. We just went before the Lord and said, God, what do you want to say to your people? And looking over the last few weeks, we had faith talking and 
faith walking. We had in Philippians standing fast and standing firm in the Lord. While we're standing firm, God comforts us so that we can comfort others. While God is there comforting us, then the general is here and we are getting our marching orders. And then we have last Sunday where we talked about what we speak. And then tonight, what you speak, this is where it comes from. God is placing us in position and taking us back to the basics step by step and sermon by sermon there is work for us to do. It's not just that, oh, we came on Wednesday night and we hear a, a sermon. God is calling us to prepare ourselves because we are in the last days. We don't know if, if that means it's going to be tomorrow that God's coming back or, or if it's going to be 20 years until he comes back. We don't know, but we can look around at the signs of the times and know we are in the last days. And he's not just giving us patty cake sermons to get us by. He, he's speaking directly to where we are and saying, this is what I need you to know for what you need to do for me this day, at this hour, right now. So thank you, Brother Mason, for being sensitive to the presence of God and being sensitive to his spirit and allowing God to use you to speak to all of us. If you would, bow your heads with me. God, we come before you tonight and we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you have given us the ability to seek your face and to put the good things of you in our heart and to be able to analyze ourselves and to know whenever we need to put ourselves in check. And God, help us to hide your word in our hearts so that what comes out is what you want us to say and what you want us to be in the world around us. And I pray that you would use us for your glory and let your love and your light shine through us into the world around us. And we will give you the thanks and the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.